Do you want to run faster, further, without pain and injuries? Do you want to learn how to maximize your limited training time to get the most out of yourself? If you want a PB at your next ultra marathon, or you just want to run your very first kilometer, then we can help you get there using our holistic five pillars approach. Our system includes all the pieces of the training puzzle, from strength and conditioning, to mobility workouts, to nutrition and supplementation, and a big piece of the puzzle is mindset and motivation, as well, of course, as your run sessions and your technique drills. To find out more, download our free online run training e-course at runninghotcoaching.com. Well, hi everyone, Lisa Tamari here from Pushing the Limits. It's super exciting to have you with me this morning. And today I've got Paul Fatiura all the way from, where are you actually at the moment, Paul? Are you in Auckland or in, in Aussie? I never quite know. <laughs> Kia ora, Lisa. Good to talk to you. I am in Auckland. So I've been living in Australia for the past 18 years and I thought, hey, I've been over the ditch too long. It's time to come home. So now I'm home in Auckland and enjoying it. Oh, that's so cool. So I met Paul a couple of weeks ago, um, for the people out there who don't know, Paul, he is a super famous NRL player uh, who had an incredible career. Paul, can you tell us a little bit, your career, uh, your, your, what you did, where you, which, which teams you were in? I know that you were in the Kiwis for a long time. Um, you played for the Warriors, you played for Penrith Panthers and uh, Melbourne Storm and... Uh, goodness knows where else. And so, yeah, give us a little bit of a rundown of your, your uh, rugby league career. I sure can, Lisa. I was brought up in Wanu Omata, a small town in Wellington, which I was very fortunate to be able to uh, watch mentors like Johnny Lomax and Ken Laban. Howie Tamati was down there for a little bit. He was my first rugby league coach when I was eight years old, a oh. long time ago. Uh, Yagi Rogers, Ilva'a, Tana Umanga. So I was very lucky. I was brought up in uh, a town where there was loads of legends. So, yeah, it's humbling beginnings. I debuted at the Warriors when I was 17 years old. Wow. I was so young. I was still a young boy. So I left Wanu Omata College and went straight into first grade. I look back at it now, 17, 17 years old, still young, still raw. Yeah. But it was something that I always wanted to do and, and play first grade. And... So I played the Warriors for a year, but I always wanted to move over to Australia because I truly believe that Australia, they they have the mentality, uh, the, the, it's a it's a great competition, and I just wanted to learn from the best. So I moved to the Melbourne Storm, which was at the time Stephen Kearney, Tawara Nico, Glenn Lazarus. These are all premiership players, which I spent a year and, and learned the values and tools to actually know what it's like to be a professional athlete, how you look after yourself on and off the field, and also to be consistent in your training and also in your performances. Mm -hmm. So I was a bit of a fringe player. I only played a handful of first grade games at the Warriors in the Storm. I was only 17, 18 years old. Yeah, crazy. Still, I was still raw and fresh, but I was, I guess for me, I was always a good learner and I really uh, took notice of how the winners looked after themselves and always kept that in mind. And then I moved to the Penrith Panthers, where finally I would get a start. And I was just so hungry, determined to, to make it. In 2002, the Penrith Panthers, they, were, they had the wooden spoon. Yep. And then in 2003, we yeah, went from wooden spooners to actually winning the premiership. And wow. I was still young. I was 21 years old. 
and it just came very quickly. And when a team wins premierships, you get a lot of representative players in their side. So unfortunately, in 2005, I had to move because the young players, they were paying for the kangaroos. And with the salary cap in the NRL, somebody had to move. And it was me. But that's okay. I was still young, 23, 24. Yep. Moved to the West Tigers. Tim Sheens was the coach at the time. The thing I liked about Tim Sheens, he was the, the kangaroo coach. He won premierships at the Raiders. He didn't tell me how good I was. He actually told me what was the selling point. He told me how he could make me a better player. Mm. I went there in 2005 and again, won my second premiership. Wow. It was, uh, that was, uh, really embraced that one because I was 21 when I won my first one and I was still young. I didn't know how to yeah. Deal celebrate. I thought, oh, how easy is this? I'm 20, 21. I'm going to win five of them. But really, I, as, as you know, when you, when you're, at the top of a sporting, you know, at the top of the sport, it's, it's, it's hard to, to get to the top. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, but it just came quickly again. And I was very fortunate to win it. Was, we were great players, Benji Marshall. Uh, we had uh, Toddy Payton, who's the assistant coach of the Warriors now. Peter Richards, Scotty Prince. These are legendary players, so I was just very fortunate to win again. Yep. And like I said, I, I played for the Kiwis, played 16 test matches, a great experience to trip to the world. Uh, I think the good thing about sport is that you, you make connections for life. And I was just training with Ruben Wiki and Paul Rohihi in the weekend. Like we won the wow. 2005 Tri Nations Premiership together. But having that connection, I think that's the good thing about sport is that you, you are always connected for life and it's important to keep those connections tight especially when you retire and you go into transition yeah it is a hard hard Listen. road when you step away from the sport which i know you know about or you're still fit enough you're still in it but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's really uh, in a spectrum yeah yeah uh, ruben's a good friend of mine too so make sure you say hi and, and um oh, when, you, when you see him next time um so paul yeah you a lot of the, the success came really early for you. Did that go to your head at all? Like, did it, you know, as a young man and you've had all the success? To, did it, like, well, this is oh. I'm all, I'm, I must be amazing. <laughs> Great question, Lisa. And I try and preach this to the young athletes of today. It did get to my head, and you, you, you start to believe that you're bigger than what you really are. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was. I was I was still humble and, and and grateful, but you do become you do become but up yourself. I have to say, people are doing things for you. You're you're more noticed. Your your contract, your finances go up. You're getting sponsorship. You're people giving you pets on the back. So sometimes there was a, there was a point there during those golden years of winning the premiership at the West Tigers and my little stint in the UK that I probably did get a bit too ahead of myself. Yep. And as you know, and what I preach is that you, you must stay humble during those good times. And yeah, yeah it, it does take, and I'll see it with the athletes of today. They've got the money, they, they want to flesh yeah. it out. And I was the same too. I know, I know exactly what they're going through, but it's important that you, you keep humble and you, you know, enjoy the accolades, enjoy the successes, but don't forget what got you there. Yeah, and keep and it what, what I, yeah, and yeah. what I've learned now, and I see the great work that you're doing. You're doing a lot of great work, <laughs> just like you. you have, you've got to give back. Yeah, definitely, back. most definitely. So your career lasted what uh, 13, 14 years of 
of of this high level. How did you find um, the stresses on the body and the stresses on the mind as far as pressure and as far as injuries and all that sort of good stuff goes? So as you as you get older, your your body slows down a bit as well. So I, I noticed it, but I, I I looked after my body. I really I really believe that if you look after your body, your body looks after you. So I always looked after my body throughout my career. It's more so the the other one you touched on the the mental state, the the stress levels. Yeah. And it's been well documented what I went through. Uh, the, the, the last section of my career, I did suffer from a lot of mental health issues. Yeah. And I guess the body was fine. I'm I'm pretty yeah. I think because I looked after my body, I'm still able to do certain things now. I yeah. Think which. I can't do things that I, when I was 20, but I, I'm still pretty relatively fit and active. But it was more so for me was was the the mental health issues and the stress. Uh, that's the reason why I retired. I, I suffered from depression. When, yep. when I had a psychotic episode in the UK. After I finished with retirement, I, I went through five years of heavy medication, yep. doctors, yep. counselling sessions. So that was, my, that was the reason why I retired because I was mentally unwell. So that, yeah, I want to, I um, if you don't mind, um, talk a little bit about this because, um, you know, I, I've read your story and um, I think it's incredibly brave that you are open about it and talk about it and you use your your platform now as, as, a, as a person who's, you know, obviously well-respected in, in their sport and your achievements to actually talk about the not-so-great side of, of, of stuff that's happened to you. Um, so do you mind sharing, like, what, what is it like to be, you know, a, a real Kiwi bloke, a real tough Kiwi bloke, tough sportsman, and then to realise, you know, you've had all this massive success um, and then to realise that life's unravelling because you, your mind's not doing what it's meant to do and you're, you're facing some demons, basically, from your childhood. Mm. Um, it, you know, we, we, we see men, you know, big, tough men, and we, we, I don't think as a society we realise, you know, there's stuff going on in there as well, you know, that emotional stuff that, how do you get guys to open up now? Like, you, you work in that sort of space now, eh? I do, yes. So I, I truly believe that there's a lesson learned in everything that we do. Mm. And and I've honestly, through my, my dark days, I regret because I wouldn't be the man that I am today yep. and you're, you're as when you're an athlete you those highs that you get as you know when you yeah. compete when you played in front of 80,000 people it is a, a rush an adrenaline rush that a lot of people really don't understand and it's a, it's a it is a drug running yeah. out in front of 40 50 80,000 people it, it's yeah. a it's a nice feeling for me becoming a father triggered memories of my childhood uh, probably the typical Māori boy surrounded by alcohol, drugs, yep. domestic violence, yeah. child abuse, the list goes on. But becoming a father for me, it, it, it triggered these memories that I put in the closet. Mm. And what we I went wrong, and the reason why today I am a well-being expert, because I'm really conscious of my mind. I truly believe when you when you control your mind, you control your world, exactly what Absolutely. how you've done with all, your, all the events that you've done. And when I was unwell, I started to role play those certain events that was in my childhood the not so pretty stuff that i'd stuck in the corner and that's the reason why i become unwell like yeah. i said i suffered from depression i went through seven days without no sleep and 
when you get no sleep, it's you know you, your mind starts to play tricks on you. So oh, pretty yeah. much in a nutshell, I spent four weeks in a psychiatric hospital, five years of heavy medication, and for me, I you know during that during those five years, I needed the professional help. I get it, and and also with the medication too. I, I never tell people to do this or do that. This is my story, and this is what I did. And, I, I do believe that medication is not the cure. It's the stabilizer. It keeps you balanced and you have to listen to the professional help. But for me and the way I went through it, I, I was, I was numb. I wasn't really living life. I isolated myself for five years and I just made the decision for myself that I had to take responsibility of my life. And what I did do, I, again, this is my story. I, I stepped away from the professional help and I did it in my own terms and I weaved myself off the medication. But what I did do, I found solutions and I, I truly believe that you need to focus on the solutions more than the problems. Yep. I re-educated myself. I started to focus on my mind. I started living a healthy lifestyle. I, I read endless well-being books. I read over 200 books, but I put it into action. And I believe, you know, you, you control your mind, you control your world, you have present moment awareness, taking care of your body, positive endorphin hits and all those beautiful things that the tools that you need to keep healthy and well. And like I said, I'm, I'm a stronger man for it. I went through those dark days for a reason and yeah. now it's time to get back. So how, how did you, how did you like, uh, I don't know if you know my story with mum and so on. I've had a few, um, shall we say, reasons to look outside the medical profession you know um not that we don't need them we definitely do um but they don't always have all the answers and and, and often drugs aren't the necessarily the only answer how did you yeah. get off that and take responsibility for your mental well-being because um that that's it i i was uh i've had depression i've i was um on um medication for a long long time as well and it took me a long time to to let go of those pills and to um, and to come right as, as well. And um, you know, I've been on a massively long journey in my in my own head. And, and for me, it's about surrounding myself with with positive people. It's about being open and sharing. And it's about dealing with the stuff. Not that I've like you know got it all under control because <laughs> I still haven't even at 50 um, but it you know it takes it, it, it's often really important I think to to take responsibility yourself and going I'm going to take charge of my or my in my case my mum's story and I'm going to mm. do the best I can I'm not just going to rely on the a pill uh, I'm not just going to rely on what one person says to me. I'm going to make this change myself. So that must have been a quite a long process because when you're, you know, medicated and you, you everything's dull, uh, you got no highs, no 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 real lows, and that's keeping you safe. But you stepped away from that. How did you get off the drugs or off the medication, and then and then empower yourself to become this really strong person that you are today? Thank you. Yes, and I do know the story about your mum. I was very fortunate to sit down with you and your mum a few weeks ago, and yeah. amazing story. You like like what you've done. You've been. It's important that your mum surrounds herself with positive people, positive people like yourself, and we need encouragement, especially from the people that 
we love most and she's doing amazingly well too. For me, I, so how it happened was I was, I was married for five years and when you're in a relationship with somebody who is mentally unwell, you can give them all the love and affection, but that person deserves the love back and I couldn't give my ex-wife the love because I was, in, I was all, up, all up in myself. And so the best thing that we could do for the both of us was to separate and, and move on, to divorce and move on. So what happened was, you know, I moved into my own place and what I did do, I made the conscious effort to, you know, I was just breaking up from an eight-year relationship. Mm. I made the effort to know I've got to be a father. So I, I cut out the drinking, uh, the partying. I was just solely focused on having my daughter every weekend and making this home, this new home, my sanctuary. Yep. And that's yeah. what I did. I pretty much, it was my healing place. And and also too, family and loved ones, they love you and whatnot, but sometimes they can, you know, you got to take this and you got to take that. And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and that's the for my ex-wife. That's for my, my immediate family. and. And I just, I just, I thought, you know what? I said to myself, if I'm going to go down, I'm going down my way. And I made the effort to you know this. I put on the medication, but what I did do, I started to train again. Yep. I, three to four times a day, I reconnected with with my, my former teammates who I hadn't spoken to for five years because I isolated myself. And when you isolate yourself, loneliness becomes toxic. Oh, yeah. And I started oh, yeah. to do a bit of sleeping patterns. I started to learn about importance of sleep. I, I did endless well-being courses. I got into the motivational speaking game, which got me the gig at the West Tigers the past three years as the education well-being manager. So as I'm learning about myself, I'm also giving back to the athletes of today. Wow. And I know I know what you know as well, the vulnerability. Vulnerability is a beautiful thing and as I never get sick of sharing because it's it empowers the room, but it also empowers yourself and it gives you the reasons why you do what you do and the reasons why you went through what you went through. So with the medication, I put it away, but I found solutions on, to, on how to keep myself healthy and well by giving back, training, eating well, not partying to six o'clock in the morning, which I used to do. Yeah. You know, all those things yeah. that, that you, you learn as you get older. Yeah. So when I look back on my life, I have no regrets. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. and what I've learned now is failure is okay. You learn from failure. Uh, mistakes are your best lessons. Giving back is important, but also taking control of your life and being the captain of your ship. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I'm not perfect, but I've also learned to be kind to yourself more. As an athlete, I was talking the other day to a group of kids. You, you score two tries. You make 20 tackles, but you drop the ball once. And that night, I'm in my bed, huh. focusing on the one drop ball that I did. <laughs> but it's important, I'm learning, I'm getting better as I've gotten older, is to be kind to yourself. Because if yeah. you're not on your own side, how can others believe in you? So um, self-care is, is a new learning one for me. So how do you balance the mental, like the, the mental toughness you need as an athlete and the drive and the push? You know, you have to perform on the one hand, with being kind. I mean, it's something that I've struggled with. I, I was very good at beating the crap out of myself, you know, and being really hard on myself and not patting myself on the back. And, a, and, a, and it's been a bit of a journey for me in the last few years to actually go, Al, you did all right, you know, well, well done. You did awesome. You did awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's... You don't think so. 
in your own mind. You concentrate on yeah. the one person who doesn't like you or the one negative thing that you mm. did or, you know. Yeah, I think I think it's the, that's an athlete mentality and you have to have some sort of, I don't say, you got to have some sort of ego mind to get to the top. You have to. And ego is a good thing, but you can't make your ego work against you. And uh, the ego is a, and I had it. Yep. I still have it now. I've got to keep myself in check, but the, the ego can play mind games on you. Yep. And and it can threaten you. Like you can feel you can feel threatened by somebody when realistically there's no threat there whatsoever. And so I, for me to control my egoistic mind, you really have to stay in tune with your inner self and and live in the present. Because when you're in the present, there's no pain, there's no suffering. So it's more so just keeping yourself self actualization. Yep. But in saying that, to get to the top, you need you need that drive. Yeah. You need yeah. That toughness. You need that passion. But I've, what I've learned now is, wish I, as an athlete, what I wish I did do is celebrate those wins better. Oh, me too. It was more. It was like win the premiership, go to the next one. Yeah. Play tennis, go to the next. Yeah, I didn't, unfortunately. And a reward could be just going out for dinner or having a glass of wine. It wasn't so much going out for a bender, but just. It's celebrate the wins. And what I do now, for me, right now, is when I do a, a, a motivational talk, I, I treat myself afterwards to a peanut slam. That's my self-reward. Just small things like that. I think you've, you see, so it gives you those good endorphin and feelings, so you go to the and you, you know the feelings afterwards. And I guess being kind to yourself, you need to be hard on yourself to get to the top. There's no question whatsoever. You've got to be your own, your own coach in a way. But learning to, okay, you learn from it, move on. Not so much beat yourself up as much as what I've learned learning yes. to do. But their ego, yes. their egoistic mind, it can it can uh, make you think that there's fear there, whether it be uh, through another person in the room or whatever. So you really got to be in tune with your inner self, is what I'm I'm learning each and every day to do. It's to not yeah. let my egoistic yeah. mind take control of me. Those fears, those those unrealistic dramas that we bring up in our own minds because we do this never stops eh? like this, no. this, the thing that i think most of us find hard is this constant inner chatter that we have going on and it can drive you mad you know like i, I sometimes just wish i could tell my brain just to shut up and let me have a rest <laughs> and, and, 100%. and and when you're a driven person you, it's it's a fantastic thing to be driven. It's a fantastic thing to have perseverance and resilience, and but it's also very very tiring because you don't know how to take a break. You don't know how to pat yourself on the back, um, and it's it's uh, it's definitely an ongoing learning curve for me to do that. 